Hello everyone and welcome. This is Nate here, your editor at Boss Barista Podcast. Today we're going to continue our interview with Tamika Lawrence. So sit back and enjoy. You know, Tamika and I, yesterday, we're talking about the idea of the missing stare that, like, I had never heard until a couple of, a couple of months ago um, about how we treat men who abuse, uh, like, who are sexual abusers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, there's no, yeah, there's no, there's no excuse Wait, for it. The missing stare. So the missing stare is this idea that, like, if a man commits like a sexual assault, but like he's a good guy, like we kind of like gloss over that first thing and let like his reputation kind of, it's like that argument all the time. Like, Oh, but that guy's so nice. And you're like, well, he just sexually assaulted someone. So like, that's, that's not an okay argument for you to make. You cannot justify that action with that. I believe that's how the missing stare argument works. Yeah, and I read. So the first time I heard it is when I was when I read your piece where you where you included it. Um, and for me, I think uh, I just thought it was perfect. And also, like frankly, it applies in billions of ways, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, for example, when like you have someone in your family that's like, well, I don't. But if you have someone in your family that's like a little bit racist, then you'll be like, oh, well, you know, that person is just it's just know, this, that way. Yeah. It's just this, but I mean, other than that, they're great, you know, unless you're a black person. And then I truly believe part of the reason why we ended up in our current political situation is that people were not willing to engage when, so I I do feel like when, when, um, sort of when the, when the racial justice work of the sixties was done, everyone was like, we did it. Yeah. And it's, and it's, and, and instead of, um, and instead of like, frankly, instead of white Americans embracing like, um, what's the, I don't, I should, I'm like totally, well that too, but instead of them embracing, um, integration, there we go. Ooh, Mm. it took a while. (laughs) Instead of them, (laughs) instead of them embracing integration fully, uh, and also like stamping out racism where they saw it, they were like, cool, these laws have come into place. Now we're all just going to go back to like living our own little lives the way we were doing it. And that like, uh, well, let's just ignore this little thing, this little thing, like freaking elected Donald Trump, mm-hmm. like this little thing about racism mm-hmm. where it's like people are allowed be because integration really never took off the way that it should have, because it's been proved like time and time again, that like the really only way to equality is integration mm-hmm. because it means like a spreading out of like resources as far as like community schooling and as far as people um, like interacting from a young age with people of different life experiences and seeing that although culturally they might be different, they're not that different. There's like a lot of behavioral science behind the theory of integration mm-hmm. and what it could do for, for racial equality. And it, 
Um, but because that never took off in the way it did, and and people's uh, even good people's, you know, um, their first instinct is to just like back away from something that is problematic within somebody that they love. Mm-hmm. It's like if if people were, I mean, a lot of Americans don't even know all of the all of the contributions that that all kinds of people of color have contributed to like the way this country runs Mm -hmm. and like they don't even have a true understanding of like the history of this country um and the contributions that all kind of people have made and that's because education is poor and that's because integration never took off and so people can really believe people really believe that white men are responsible for the success of this country and that again is a thing that's not a fact but that's why someone can look at me in my face and be like this country doesn't belong to you and what have your people ever done for the united states you know what i mean and they believe that it's like the women i mean honestly the women in hidden figures who yeah. put a man on the, who did the math that put a man on the moon there it's 2016 2017 now and now their story is just being told and it's like there are hundreds of stories like that and not just with black americans all sorts of of people who were immigrants who mm-hmm. came to this country who positively affected this country and they continue to do so but until like until people get to know those people and until those people live in their neighborhood they're always going to believe that um that you know that this that America is a country that belongs to white men and the rest of us should just accept our treatment or get out mm-hmm. and like that's just being that missing stare of literally being like, I do not want to engage with what is problematic about this person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love them. And I'm like, it's not that you can't love them, but understand that there are people like me who have to deal with, I have to deal with that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you might love them, but they treat me like shit. Mm-hmm. It's not to condemn either. It's not to say yeah. that you want to, this person to be labeled a bad person. But I think there's two things to that. Yeah. Is that number one, if you really love someone, you want them to be, better the best they can be exactly like you if you're just claiming that you don't want to highlight something from someone it's not because you don't it's not because you love them it's because it's uncomfortable for you Mm -hmm. like that's that's true like that's it's not because you're like oh i love them and i'll let this slide like that is false Mm -hmm. that's like a way to deflect right um responsibility but second it's about yeah having that end goal like we just want everything we want things to be better and we, we don't want to condemn people forever. And right. it's so much easier to condemn someone forever if you never address that one thing yes. that happened or right. the one thing that you, or, you know, could be multiple things. You could be a racist and a sexist, but like, you know, right. the multiple things that this person carries that are in the way of progress. And I mean, the only reason why I say incident, because I'm thinking about this from like the, a sexual assault, um, kind of background because that's where I learned that term but like yeah you know when you have women who like with um oh what, what's his name Brock Turner the guy yeah. at Stanford yeah. when you have somebody you know coming up and making this so uh moving witness statement about what happened to her because mm-hmm. he only got so much time in jail it's not because she wants to be like you're a bad person forever but it's like we're not acknowledging that the thing that you did is bad and you're gonna do it again yeah yeah. Yeah. And also, right, we're not acknowledging, especially, you know, we're not acknowledging that you, person of relative privilege, mm-hmm. you're not acknowledging that you 
did a bad thing, right? Mm -hmm. But you're also not acknowledging that you hurt me in the process. Right. In a measurable way. Mm -hmm. So what you did harmed this person, Mm -hmm. and that person now has to live with those experiences. Mm -hmm. And when a racist person says something to you, I don't care what anyone says, it is hurtful, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, no, you are actively hurting me, and then I have emotional trauma from the thing that you've done yeah. or in you know in in a in a sexual assault case emotional and physical trauma mm-hmm. from the thing that you've done and like you don't want to deal with that because you feel bad yeah like you have a you you're you're feeling bad about a thing like and so that's why I won't that's why I don't I'm at this point where I'm like, I will not coddle you because what you're telling me and I will, and I always very clearly say to people too. So what you're telling me is that your feelings are more important than the oppression that this person is. Is that what you're telling me? Are you going to look me in my eyes and tell me that? Because if you are, then I know that you're a lost cause anyway. Yeah. But if not, if I can say that to you and you can, and you can metabolize that, and hear what I'm actually saying, which is you're, this might be uncomfortable for you because it's really discomfort. People with privilege are allergic to being discomfort. And it's because yeah. they're rarely dis- uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like women are like, if we are outside and it's late at night, we are not comfortable. Mm-hmm. We are looking around. We have one headphone out. We're like, is this guy going to like fucking slap me in my face and like mm-hmm. do something? And the thing is, he probably won't. That I'm in a world where I even have to consider that means I'm not comfortable. Mm-hmm. And like where I where I could in an all white space have everything be totally fine or encounter racism mm-hmm. and I never know which one it's gonna be. Yeah. I'm not comfortable, right? And so, but you who feel comfortable everywhere and like you belong everywhere except maybe when you're in a neighborhood that doesn't resemble yours Mm -hmm. but you can't but you can't and even if they're in a neighborhood that doesn't resemble theirs or even if they're out you know even if they're only the only man in a group full of women and they feel this uncomfortable they can't then take that why can't you then take that and then extrapolate it to the way that i might be feeling when i when it's usually the reverse yeah right there's this in insane sort of cognitive dissonance Mm -hmm. and so like i am at this point you know i don't have any qualms about having someone feel about pointing out the fact that they're putting their feelings above my actual lived experience yeah because it's not because those things are not they're not equitable and especially with like that brock turner case which was such a i mean if we needed any idea of what if we needed a confirmation of what um, of the way the justice treat system treats victims of sexual assault, we got it. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's like, what else? Mm-hmm. Literally, what else? The only thing he could have done was get murdered her. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Yeah. Then he would have something would have happened to him because you got to be dead to get justice. Yeah. And <laughs> even then, you might not. Yeah. And that's horrifying, right? Mm-hmm. Like I say that kind of glibly because if not, I would just cry all the time. Yeah. But like. It's like it, why? How how could the world be this way? Where something that clear, and then they're just like, oh, whatever. You just get these three months, and even his father's, uh, even his father's reaction. Yeah. Even his father calling it twenty minutes of action. I will never. I could be eighty-five years old. I will never forget 
this man trying to excuse his son's behavior of, of a traumatizing experience by saying, well, oh, it was just 20 minutes of action. It's like, sir, you're, you and I are in like a different, we're in different galaxies. Yeah. If that's what we're like, um, I would ordinarily say we're not on the same planet, but like, you're literally like you're mm-hmm. elsewhere. Like you're not in the Milky way. It's important too, I think to mention that being a part of certain marginalized groups does not absolve you of the duty to all marginalized groups. So I'm thinking a lot about, you know, the women's March, which I think, you know, all around good, good idea. Good thing it happened. (laughs) But at the same time, I think it brought to light for me that, and something that I needed to really think hard about too, is that there is a difference between being feminist while white and being a feminist while something else. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so many people in my cafe came in and they were like, that protest was like really peaceful and like, it was so kid friendly Uh and like how great, like pat us on the back for, you know, launching the first peaceful protest. And it's like, well, no one's going to like harm you and your baby, Miss White Lady. Right. Yeah. When the cops yeah. see white women with pink hats, they don't put on riot gear. They don't harass them. They treat them like, oh, this is a family friendly event. And yet a Black Lives Matter rally happens, which is also advocating for let's have a safe and peaceful family. But we can't because there's too much violence in our communities. And then, you know, how are the police going to act? They're in the riot gear. They're like, yeah. You know, yeah i mean well yeah and it's like when police go to like before we like are patting ourselves on the back when police go to a black lives matter rally they show up in riot gear yeah they're not like let's uh hold off and see if perhaps this protest is gonna go away that we don't like no a a lot of white people are still very fearful of black people Mm -hmm. and people of color and that you know that that lens of fear colors all the other decisions, mm-hmm. fear and ignorance, right? Colors all the decisions they make of how they even are going to deal with and approach this situation. Mm-hmm. And it's like there were hat, there were cops wearing those pink pussy hats. Yeah. But like, yeah, they show up to a Black Lives Matter rally in um, in in fucking riot gear, and they don't even and the people commenting on it, like you said, there's so much, there's just so much ignorance. And so I, and actually, so Ashley and I have talked about this and kind of on a, I made a comment on Twitter one day saying that like checking your privilege is not only for cis het white men and it's not right. Because most people have a modicum of like, I won't say most people, (laughs) some people have a modicum of privilege. Some people have a lot. Some people have a you know medium amount. Some people have a small amount. Mm-hmm. No matter how much you have, you need to examine that. Mm-hmm. And like I've had, I've definitely had had experiences where I've been in a room full of women who are like calling themselves feminist, right? Mm-hmm. But they don't want to hear the fact, like there are white white feminists who don't want to hear the fact that I experience the world in a different way, right? And so like it, it's not that. It's not that the people who um, it's not that there aren't aren't people who are sexist against white women because of course they are they're mm-hmm. sexist against all women right but there are things that they will do and say to women of color that they will not do to white women mm-hmm. and it's like 
Like, for example, I've heard lots of white women say, oh, well, I'm not really comfortable in this neighborhood. And I'm like, you should be the most comfortable in this neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Because because if something is going to happen here, it's going to happen to someone who looks like me. Because when I disappear, my face doesn't get on the news. That, you know. Like the jogger who who was murdered recently, of course she should be in New York. So there was a jogger who was murdered recently, right? Oh. And she got on the news, and she and it's not. It was, I want to say like six months ago, and she got on the news, and she should have, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. But but there had been a spate of black and Latina women disappearing from the Bronx. Not a word. Mm-hmm. I found out about it on Twitter. It had been happening mm-hmm. for a year and a half. Like wow. there, that person who is doing this, who is doing this, could be selling these girls into prostitution. He could be a serial killer. There was a serial killer in LA who was, who was literally just like murdering sex workers in LA, but he was only murdering black women. The police knew it was happening. They did not warn the community, and nobody reported on it. So this guy got away with it for years. And so it's like, don't tell me that you're scared in this neighborhood yeah. or don't tell me that we're experiencing, oh, that, I, that I'm being divisive mm-hmm. or that I should just, um, that, that I should just, you know, that I should want the things that you want. Um, even as, even as down, like as far as like, you know, when talking about second wave, second wave feminism a little bit, mm-hmm. um, a lot of second wave feminism surrounded like, my husband doesn't let me do things. I'm cooped up in the house. Again, mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. all legitimate. Like that's legitimate, mm-hmm. right? Because that should not be, you, you're a person, you own yourself. Mm-hmm. And that shouldn't be the case, right? Um, but then like some feminists didn't want to hear that like, while you're saying, oh, I'm so tired of being home, mm-hmm. you also employ a person of color who is a mom who takes care of your kids. Yeah, And like, that person would probably love to be home. Yep. Right. So here you are shitting on with your uh, seven sisters uh, college degree. Here you are shitting on women who don't want to be at home or who want to be at home mm-hmm. when like it's a it is a privilege to be able to stay home. Yeah. It is not a privilege that your husband is forcing you to stay home or that so society won't support your endeavor to work. Right. But also like some people don't want to stay home and that's not, and some people would love to stay home and they literally could never afford to. Yeah. So like, don't shit on this thing that you have. Just say, I personally don't feel like I have to do this. And that, and really at its core, feminism is about women. It is about equality for everyone mm-hmm. and, and women, you know, reaching parity of equality with men. Mm-hmm. But that also means doing whatever you want. Yeah. And it's like, if you are not, and also recognizing that we're that we experience the world in a different way. And so like I did not go to the march. I didn't go to the march for go to the march for a few reasons even though I am glad it happened and I thought it was good. One is that I I you know, I don't always feel comfortable in in white feminist spaces mm-hmm. because if a if a guy knows that he doesn't get it, he knows that he does not get it. And so he might ask me my opinion and listen and go, "Man, that's real. Like, whatever. If a if a white woman thinks she gets it, but she doesn't get it, that's emotionally like damaging for me, right? Yeah. Because she's gonna tell me she's in a, fe- a space that should be comfortable for me, but she's gonna center center herself 
other people in the space are going to center her too. And if I have a different experience that she can't relate to, she might tell me that I'm being divisive. And actually it happens all the time. Like if you even go on a, if you go on any, even on any, really on any feminist, anything, even just an article mm-hmm. um, that brings up the fact that yes, there is an, there is an inherent white supremacy to the capital F feminist movement yes. in the U S mm-hmm. people are like, white women are in the comments losing their shit yeah and it's like yeah and, and this is reverse racism and yeah so that's why don't my favorite term issues oh my god this or what an don't we issue. Just focus on the- that's the thing yeah when white women get and who's so hung up on getting the privilege that their white male counterparts have that they lose focus that if it's really about equality they should be looking at the muslim woman with the hijab like what's her what's yeah. her equality look like it's definitely not exactly. going to be like in the seventies you were saying, it's not going to be like, Oh, I want to go to work and, you know, like get a salary and, um, continue to have a woman of color, watch my children. Like, no, that's not going to be right. real fundamental equality. That's just going to be more people trying to crowd at the top of the pyramid and just like, Oh, make space for me at this table that is isolating everybody else. I want a spot too. I want a spot too. I want to make decisions when the, the table yeah. itself doesn't work, the pyramid itself doesn't work. So you can't just fight for the rights of, you can't ask for the same thing that people in power and privilege have. You have to dismantle the whole thing and reevaluate. Yeah, and especially because there's this thing where it's like, it the people who, uh, and especially, and I will say this for women of color especially, when a when anybody occupies one space of marginalization, it's easy for them to talk over you. Men of color do it to women of color all the time. Mm. When when you talk about sexism within the community, mm-hmm. so they can get on board with racism. They're like racism, got it. Mm-hmm. And doesn't it suck? Doesn't it suck when white guys tell us it's not real? We know it's real. It's our experience. And then you bring up sexism, and they're like, don't want to hear it. Don't be divisive. This is about racism. And you're like, but didn't you just say mm-hmm. that someone else who's not having a lived experience shouldn't say that they that it's not real? But it's interesting because you just did it to me. And so and so it's the mm-hmm. same where where white women will say to you, Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. But like that's not this is not about this, or like I'm not inherently racist. And I'm like, you know what? Like if you grow up in America, you're racist. Yeah. And you have anti person of color sentiment including people of color, mm-hmm. right? You don't, at the, I always say constantly that like the, that the, the brainwashing of that happens here, it doesn't somehow skip people of color, right? Like we have our yeah. own, we have our own, like I had my own anti-black sentiments from growing up in a place that, that growing up in a place where the beauty standard was really heavily white. And so it's like, that was stuff that I had to work through. And it's like people of color, it might not always talk about it, but we're, we also have to do the work where we're like, oh no, actually I don't have to chemically straighten my hair. Why was I doing this thing to begin with? Like it is like work for people of color to even love themselves in a world that is constantly being like, nope, nope, nope. You're not this thing. You're not this thing. You're not this thing. And you don't have to say that. You can just present other things. as You can present the thing that is the opposite of me as good and things that are me bad and that'll do the work and so it it really is like we all have work to do yeah (laughs) because there is like 
there is anti-black and anti-person of color sentiment in all of us. And so it's about, but some of us have more work to do. And like, for me, I don't have a choice but to be awake to, to both like kind of the horrors, frankly, of like sexism and racism. Mm -hmm. And so it's like just the space I occupy and my identity doesn't allow for that. Mm -hmm. And so it's easier for me to have an understanding of how that works. But sometimes I will, and I will, I've talked to, um, to Ashley about this. I had to do my own work to dismantle my like own anti-blackness and also to understand the issues that the trans community has because I had no context for them. Mm -hmm. And so I have definitely in the past said things that I would never say now, like in my life would ever say now. And still, when I run into, like, people think that, I guess maybe they think because I occupy, like, a, a this identity that I don't ever get corrected or that I don't ever do anything problematic. And that's just false. Like, I try not to. But if I do, I'm not like, oh, oh, you're wrong, person who is who is super marginalized in this way. Hell no. Like, and, and it's because I get people feel comfortable criticizing me. Mm. Just in general. People who... As a woman, most of us have been criticized by a man whose opinion we did not ask for. That is life. <laughs> and you're like, remember that time I asked you? Not actually, neither do I. I think when when people people of that have more privilege and power than you are used to criticizing you, but they're never used to receiving the criticism. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's it might be I might be embarrassed. I have definitely been embarrassed by by saying something um, transphobic or saying something fatphobic. And I've had to be pulled back or even just like ignorant. Maybe it wasn't transphobic, but maybe it was the wrong thing to say. Mm -hmm. It was like, I've had to been, I've had to, you know, I've had to have a friend counsel me and say like, oh, well, you know, like that term really isn't correct or maybe you shouldn't do this or like this could come off as a little bit um, fatphobic if you do that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the only feeling to feel to me when that happens is like, you know, embarrassed. Yeah. And sure, it's fine to be embarrassed. Like you should feel a little embarrassed about doing something that is oppressive. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, you should have a bad feeling about it. Mm -hmm. Sit with that bad feeling and then move past it and don't do it again. That's something I had to learn this week. Yeah, it's hard. It's what it's hard. I just I just really had to like step back and think about what my understanding of feminism really meant. And I don't know. I tried to frame this a lot in terms of of the space that I encapsulate and how I can extend my power to make things more equitable, especially as just someone who does a lot of like media stuff. Like how do I, how do I say things that I know are true and then ask, ask for the things that I don't know without being defensive. Yeah. Something that, that I think the thing that touched me the most when I, when I spoke to you yesterday was just being vulnerable with your feelings and that, sexism and racism and transphobia and phobias against anyone are are hurtful and we all get hurt and sharing those experiences is really important because i think hopefully that's the thing that kind of connects us all is that we can feel things and that if we can all like acknowledge like hey when you said this thing this really hurt then we can I don't know. Now I'm rambling, but I just, I just was really touched by that because it just means a lot to be able to share that these feelings well, hurt us all the time. Like, like sexism hurts every day. Racism hurts every day. 
Yeah, and it's and it's and it's weird, like because we talked about this too, where it kind of sucks because it's not. I don't blame anyone for not wanting to do it because it's not. It's an unfair. It's an undue burden on top of already having to process a world that rejects a part of you. You mean being like an right? advocate, right? Yeah, yeah, and so it's hard because I do. But also, I think I think it's it it bears examining that like realistically in our society the only emotion that is respected is anger mm-hmm. and um and 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 interestingly enough though not from me right because right. if i'm angry i'm just another angry black lady mm-hmm. but um and so the only thing i ever get to be before when i really when i still cared about this the only thing i ever got to be was compo- was try to be composed um in order to like try and like be heard but in general the thing that is fine and respected is anger but any sort of like emotional honesty and vulnerability is looked down upon and like that's just toxic ass patriarchy mm-hmm. so like cuz that's exactly that's literally all that is like the the idea that any other feelings and you know being vulnerable being being sad um, being yeah. hurt, that any of those signify weakness mm-hmm. or even just a thing that we should hide. Um, I don't, I no longer subscribe to that um, because I'm like, oh, that's just patriarchal as fuck and I don't have to subscribe to that. And honestly, I get more, I I get more done by being vulnerable and it's better for me emotionally, right? Mm-hmm. So like, if it's not going to get me a, if it's going to keep me out of something, then I probably don't want that thing, whatever it is, because it means that I am going to be expected to always be on guard, which is something I'm just not going to do anymore. Um, but also people do connect to, to vulnerability and you don't, and some people don't, right. But sometimes people do. And sometimes people do want to hear those honest experiences. And I do think like, I, I talked about this where I, I feel like it used to be this thing. The internet's great. And and honestly, even podcasts are great because it, they let you, they let you interact. Like they let you interact within a community that is safe for you while at the same time doing what I like to call, what I like to call performative activism, but like a useful mm-hmm. kind of performative ad- activism, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're in a space that is comfortable for you and so you can be honest mm-hmm. and people people benefit from that honesty they do if they're open to and willing to listen to it then they really can benefit from that honesty because what we used to do was only talk have these conversations amongst ourselves mm-hmm. we only had these conversations amongst women or like we might only have a certain conversation amongst people of color and so the people who are doing the things that hurt you don't know Mm-hmm. So they just keep doing them. And it's not your, and again, it's not fair for you to tell them, but the way that I look at it, and I certainly, again, I don't expect anyone else to have this point of view. I respect people who are already marginalized and don't want to engage in it. Mm-hmm. For me, I would have to say something anyway, or else I would literally go insane. Mm-hmm. But I'm also like, I'm, if I don't say anything, then I'm just the one who's uncomfortable. And then it will just always be me. And I'll just always have to bear this thing on my own. And so I don't always make the choice to do this, but sometimes I make the choice to bring it up because then all oh, uncomfortable. If I got uncomfortable, 
then we're all going to be uncomfortable. And then we'll never, if you learn the lesson that you're supposed to learn, we'll never have to be uncomfortable in this particular way again. Tamika, it's really late for you, isn't it? It is a little. <laughs> okay. So we've tapped a lot of your time. Um, yeah, um, where can people find you if they want to follow you on Twitter or if they want to follow you on Instagram or just anything? Oh, yeah. So everything, uh, I have the same name on everything and it's just my first and middle name. So it's Tamika um, and that's T-Y-M-I-K-A underscore Nichelle. So like Michelle, but with an N. Um, and that I'm on Instagram and Twitter um, and Facebook where I can be found at any time ranting about really just anything. <laughs> I also post cute dog pictures uh, every once in a while. So. <laughs> <laughs> to break up the turmoil in our hearts. <laughs> to break up, right. <laughs> to, break, to break up the turmoil. <laughs> Pretty much just selfies, some cute dog pictures, some rants. I like to break it up. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us. We've really enjoyed having you. Um, this has been an episode of Boss Barista. I'm Jasper Wilde. I'm Ashley Rodriguez. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Thank you.